I sound close enough to the mic? I'm eating it, so better be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound great. I'm joining. <clears throat> Hello. We mute yourself. Mute yourself. Oh, oh yeah. You sound like a Medusa. I am a Medusa. Look at those glasses. Look at that hair. Look at you. Cute, right? Look, look at these little. I have a glasses chain to increase my librarian vibes. Wow, you're doing the cardigan thing. You are just so on it, and I'm in bed. Is the red light on? The red light is on. <laughs> well, here we are. Well, here we are in this digital space once again. It's almost the new year. It will be the new year. It will be the new year. Are you celebrating the new year at all in any way? Uh, I think I'm going to make a beef stew with Sam. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so that's like my plan. I got to send a sticker to a patron. Yeah, you do. Patron, you're going to get your sticker real soon. Any patrons who are at the sticker tier... They need to send us the addresses so I can send them. Mm-hmm. We want to give you stickers. Mm-hmm. I have nice stationery. Well, I have okay stationery <laughs> and great stickers. So yeah. what about you? What are you going to do today? Well, my BF came over and brought some sparkling wine. And I think me and him and my roommates are going to just, you know, have a little glass of sparkling wine, hang out a little bit. Yeah, I think it's going to be nice. That's luxurious. Very luxurious. My scarves that I've been waiting for for so long have finally come. And you got a new Tollies, right? Mm-hmm. And thanks to the generosity of many friends, one of which is you, I received a beautiful new Tallit, which I have been davening in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. Michael. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Oh, oh, wow. Um... <laughs> it's as if you don't expect to be asked this question. <laughs> Which is crazy. I feel good and I feel guilty for feeling good in that way that you do. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like people have that feeling for a lot of reasons, but I feel like you have it because you're in, like, from an immigrant family. Yeah, I think so. I do feel good because I've been getting a lot of validation from Lex, Mm -hmm. the combination forum posting slash non-cishet male dating message Mm -hmm. forum. Yeah. People have been feeling the Michael vibe. Well, you know, they've been just liking the poem I posted, and that's, like, good enough for me. That's nice. And there's nothing like the validation of a lesbian. That makes me feel better about myself. They're the worst critic, and therefore the best critic. Mm-hmm. Hava. Yes. How are you? Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I know. I can't believe you've asked me this at this time. I know. I know. <laughs> How are you? Well, uh, as true fans of the show will know, mm-hmm. um, Baruch Hashem, I'm well. I've been playing a lot of a new online game, which has been really fun. Star Wars The Old Republic. If you play Star Wars The Old Republic and you want to do stuff with me, hit me up. Send me a message on Twitter or something and we can go do quest together or something but that's been super fun my plants are looking very lush my boyfriend bought me iced coffee this morning which is very delicious Ooh, i got a new pair of headphones i'm currently using which are really cute they're like mint green registration started for one of my new class series so starting in february i'm going to be teaching a class called trans girl talmud 101 with friend of the show binya koatz we opened registration for that or we opened applications for that and it's been going really well way beyond my expectations that's great as followers of the show drama may know michael and i recently moved out of our old house today we heard that our old housemate may have found a subletter and we might be getting some of our rent back yeah added a real boost to my day it was a cool communication that we got from our old housemate Mm -hmm. yeah the first cool one in a long time i know something also really awesome 
that's happening to you that you don't know that's happening to you. Fuck. Yeah. What is it? You are getting a gift for New Year's. <gasps> and what? it's a switch, bitch. Oh, Michael. I just don't want it anymore. So it's yours. I see. You're in- incredible. I don't want to detract from this moment. Dude, switch has been living at my house. Oh. So I have been using a big switch and dude has been using my small switch. You bitch. It's okay. It's fine. Okay. Fine. All right. I don't fine. want to detract from this moment, but Okay. Okay. No, no. I appreciate it. Michael. I'm being silly. I'm being silly. I don't want to just take your switch and then put it on my desk where it will languish in obscurity. Well, in some ways, this is the best possible thing because I get all the credit for giving a gift without having to give a gift. I mean, I'm really excited to get the dominoes and scarves from you. Oh, yeah. I think about those scarves like every day. Yeah. So that registration is a super cool thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Wait, but who can register? Is it only trans girls? No, it's for everyone. Everyone needs to learn about trans girls in the Talmud. However, space will be limited. So I would recommend that you apply as soon as you can. I'll tweet about it. I've already tweeted about it, actually. How else can you find it? I'll put a link in the description or something. I don't know how I'm going to tell people about this. No convenient way because the Google Forms link is really long and it's busted so that it can't be shortened. It's a known error. Just keep an eye on my Twitter or um, you can friend me on Facebook. Do whatever. But yeah, registration for that is popping. Other than that, things are pretty relatively chill, relaxing at home. Oh my gosh, I just remembered something really exciting and cool that happened, which is that I had a call with a fellow talmud student and we had a whole 45 minute call in asl which is really cool i'm really proud of myself for conducting such a long conversation in asl with a fluent speaker and that was just a really cool connection to have and you talked about talmud in asl yeah we talked about talmud we gossiped it was great wow did you talk about me no oh zero percent don't care (laughs) can you show the listeners how you say talmud in asl Okay, cool. Listeners, before we dive into our Talmud for the day, into our New Year's Talmud, I just wanted to uh, ask you all to text or call and leave us a voicemail on the Talmud hotline at 401-484-1619. We would love to hear from you any kind of question. We'll put it on the show. And also, you can ask us a question on our website anonymously at chihowareyou.com. Also, last but not least, I want to ask you to please, 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 please support this content by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cordova. And also, whenever we post the episode on Facebook or Twitter, if you would give that a like or retweet, it would mean the world to me. I guess it's time we do what we've been empowered by the community to do, which is talk shit about Talmud. Yeah, that's right. We're not doing a passage of Talmud today. Well, a passage of Talmud will be referenced. Let me tell you. So last episode, if you didn't listen to it, we talked about a listener question that was relevant to Bava Batra 98B. So you should go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. In that passage, the Talmud was talking about proper manners of conduct relative to marriage and housing and all kinds of stuff. One of the issues we were talking about is the Talmud was telling us that it wasn't proper, it wasn't the way, for a son-in-law to live in his father-in-law's home, which we deconstructed in all kinds of cool ways. But after that, after that portion where it gives us that sort of moral, I don't even know if it's a moral injunction, it's just like a etiquette <laughs> sort of yeah. thing. I mean, people have found moral 
valences to it over the years. The Talmud decides to do what it often does, which is bring up a text to support the principle it's trying to impart to us. And I thought it was worth talking about. So immediately after we get this piece about living in the father-in-law's home, the next sentence starts with, This means, as it is written in the book of Ben Sira, which... If you are familiar with Tanakh, with Jewish Bible, you will perhaps say, there's no book of Ben Sira in the Jewish Bible, which is true, which is true. There is no book of Ben Sira in the Jewish Bible. So the book of Ben Sira, also sometimes known as Ecclesiasticus, very different from Ecclesiastes, which in Hebrew is called Kohelet. The book of Ben Sira is a book of ethical teaching, sort of like wisdom, tradition, style stuff, kind of like Proverbs, that was written sometime between 200 and 175 BC by this scribe, Ben Sira. I've read some interesting things about people debating who this actual person was. There are some later accounts which sort of imagine him being in the court of Solomon and and retroject him as a biblical figure. So all kinds of stuff happens with this. Yeah, so this is just this book of wisdom, sort of a, a chicken soup for the soul, if you will, written in this period. What's interesting to me in this passage is that the rabbis are quoting it like it is scripture. The formula, right, the introductory word here, kadichtiv, as it is written, is the word that the rabbis use to introduce actual biblical sources. And in Talmud, those technical terms that we use to introduce our citations are meaningful. The one that you choose to use implies the importance of the evidence that comes after that word. Exactly. And I don't really think that the Gemara thinks that this book is canonical. It's just imparting to it a certain level of respect with this term. So part of the reason I wanted to talk about this today is because it feels somehow like tenuously connected to this epistemological discussion that we're always having. Yes, yes, the background tension that's alive yeah. and well. That's the overarching plot of the podcast that we only get an update on every few episodes. That's right. It feels connected to epistemological questions because the rabbis are sort of making this claim. It's not appropriate for the son-in-law to live in the father-in-law's home. And then the evidence given for that proposition is this quote from the book of Ben Sira, but the Book of Ben Sira has no authority to back up that claim it's making on reality in the frame of mind of the rabbis, right? If this was a quote from Psalms or Proverbs or whatever, it would, in the frame of mind of the rabbis, be sort of from the hand of God and therefore have some connection to capital T truth. Who knows what these rabbis in the past were actually thinking, but when things became quote-unquote canonical and not canonical in the future, Ben Sira didn't make it in, right? The irony is these rabbis are making an argument that a modern rabbi could not actually make. Right. I don't think anyone would make a halakhic decision in the contemporary world based off something said in Ben Sira. But clearly they were doing it then. I mean, is this a, a halachic decision uh, or is it just the rabbis saying, we thought this was a pretty cool idea. And you know who else thought this was a pretty cool idea? Ben Sira. And maybe it's more like a support, like an argument via celebrity sort of situation. And what sort of makes this even more intriguing is that at different points in the Talmud, some authorities, which we actually don't end up going with their opinion, actually hold that it's forbidden to recite from the book of Ben Sira. Rav Yosef in, I think it's Masechet Sanhedrin, who's a Talmudic rabbi, comes and says that to recite or to read from the book of Ben Sira is 
forbidden altogether. And then later on, some people come along and circumscribe that and say, it's only forbidden to read from the foolish parts. If you read from the wise parts, that's totally fine. This is when they're having a discussion about heretical texts, like could they read from the Gospels or not? They're sort of making a decision about what is allowed for an observant Jew of their time to read. So this thing, which is quoted later on, at a certain point, someone thought shouldn't be read at all, much less used as a proof text for some kind of principle of conduct they're trying to give us. We have these contradictions. We have what the redactors of the Tanakh are including in the Masoretic text in later centuries, post-Talmud writing. We have Talmud-era rabbis using this stuff as justification for their arguments, and then also saying that this is totally not cool, we shouldn't be using these sources. We have all these contradictions. We clearly have capital G, gray area, (laughs) for what we're allowed to bring in to our halakhic decision-making process. So what do we make of this? Does this mean that the floodgates (laughs) are open and now I can start quoting quips from actresses in 1930s Hollywood movies as justifications for why I ate delicious pork sausage this morning. What's a good of resistant temptation? There'll always be more. Right. That's an interesting question. Part of the reason that I brought this up is to sort of undercut what the rabbis were trying to say, right? I was trying to bring in another reason we don't have to listen to the rabbis is because even by their own standards, this is like a pretty weak argument in terms of like the real force it's backed up with biblically. But yeah, I don't know. Well, this is an example of playing the game. Mm -hmm. Right. Like what makes the book of Ben Sirah any different from my diary or from you know, whatever. Is it just because this group of rabbis thought it was pretty wise sometimes, and that's why we all have to take its opinion into account forever for all the rest of time? I think you're slowly turning into like a neo-reform Jew. I, You know, I identify as neo-Hasidic, and I will not be budging from that identification. I have this tendency, I think like the prior listener who wrote in, I want the words in front of me to like tell me the moral truth. And I have to constantly be reminding myself that actually what's special about these people is that they're people just like me. There's a through line of connection between me and them. And to me, it's less interesting Mm -hmm. to know whether or not what they say has any power over what I should be doing and more interested in figuring out why they're making those decisions for themselves. Right. I mean, it's kind of interesting that you bring up this idea of um, the something that's connecting you is sort of this concept of universal humanity. I was just reading today this book I've been really struggling with called What is Talmud? The Art of Disagreement, which is all about sort of a relationship between continental philosophy and Talmud. It's been really challenging. I've had to learn a lot about continental philosophy in order to be able to read it. But one of the points the author is making early on is that Sort of what prepared the ground for our understanding of Talmud today is this sort of neo-Kantian concept of culture, where there's like a universal humanity and then culture. That philosophical concept was important for the emancipation of Jews throughout Europe because it allows Jews to say, I'm a person and I'm of Jewish culture, or I'm ethnically Jewish, which means a bearer of Jewish culture. As opposed to, I'm just a Jew, and then therefore different from you. Exactly. As opposed to it being an ontological aspect of one's being, which is the more Heideggerian 
viewpoint. Okay. Wow. Fucking words. Words coming out of your mouth. I know. I've had my head stuck up continental philosophy's ass for a a couple days. But it's just interesting that you bring that up, right? That there's this concept of humanity that's intrinsic to you and to the rabbis, and that is what connects you together. I'm not sure that the rabbis would have would have thought of it that way, you know, or that different Jews throughout of history, I think they might have thought you're connected because you're Jews, you know, you're both inherently Jews, not that you're both inherently humans. Well, that's fine. It doesn't change. <laughs> Well, yeah, okay, you're right, Havel, maybe. Maybe you're right. I, I would need to <laughs> I mean, ask, though. It's not necessarily something I have to be right or wrong about. I just think it was interesting for me to be reminded that the concept of humanity as a universal ground is not something that has been around forever. Or maybe it's been around, but it hasn't been popular. I'm into it, personally. Personally, <laughs> you know, if you go deep into, like, these fields of studying marginalized people, eventually someone will say, like, well, actually, like, everyone is gay. Like, mm -hmm. Right. Me. I'll say that. Like, we're all gay. And I kind of think we're all Jews. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Metaphysically speaking. Yeah, we're all kind of Jews. Life is suffering. I don't know. Are we going off the deep end here? Are we making any no, sense No, I think anymore? it's good. I mean, I think... To bring it all back around to Ben Sira, part of the question that's at stake here is like wisdom as understood in the Talmud. We have to sort of ask ourselves when confronted with a citation like this, where does a sense of wisdom and authority come from? Is all wisdom the same wisdom? You know, is the wisdom that's in the book of Ben Sira that makes it worth quoting by the rabbis of the same quality as the wisdom that they find in the Tanakh? And for that reason, are they sort of connected in a universal sense of truth and wisdom? Or is one of them from God and one of them is not? And they're different at a core level of their being as works of literature. I think I'm prone to think, you know, beauty is beauty and wisdom is wisdom and wherever it comes from it's ultimately connected to the same source which is god yada yada all that yeah yeah same same but i don't think that's necessarily a universal point amongst the rabbis although i think it does as jewish culture continues to develop i think that becomes a more and more popular point of view sort of neoplatonist thing so oh god oh god we're turning into reform jews oh no <laughs> i'm returning back to my roots good it's good for you i think all wisdom comes from god and sometimes what your grandmother tells you has just as much weight what i can say for me is that i think this tension sort of runs throughout judaism of like wisdom and beauty as universal concepts versus wisdom as a particular divine attribute particular to the god of the jews those two ideas are sort of pulling against each other throughout the centuries, particularity and universalism. This little quotation of Ben Sira is just like a little microcosm of that. To me, seeing this citation from Ben Sira is sort of like making a play for the universality of wisdom that for most of the Talmud, it's not adequate, right? Like just because something is logical or illogical is not necessarily sufficient proof. Logic is definitely a factor in how we make our halacha, but there are some mitzvot that we're just told that we're not supposed to understand the meaning behind that we have to accept on faith. That principle to me is sort of in tension with this idea that 
if it's a good idea, if it's wisdom, then we should grab that, whether it's canonical, whether it's from the hand of God or not, and go ahead and just pop it in there. This tension is kind of the air we breathe living in like a liberal society, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the air we breathe, and, and in the same sense, we're often not aware of it. If you take it to its logical extreme, then like, oh, then all knowledge is equivalently holy. Mm-hmm, and therefore exactly. nothing is holy and it's just a free-for-all. Right. This is very uh, shockingly relevant for our mini-series we're going to do soon about Shabbatai. Shabbatai has a lot to do with the interaction between Jewish religion and non-Jewish religion. So, teaser for that. I've been doing Shabbatai research today. Oh, you have? Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm getting ready. I'm really ready to make those episodes. Okay, okay, cool, cool. So, whip Sam in the bed. Uh, I think we're good. I don't know. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think we should wrap it up. Yeah, listeners, thanks for indulging me in my very silly, mildly pretentious discussion of Neo-Kantian thought in the Talmud. I am a fool in these matters, and if you are wiser than me, please let me know. Send me a text on the Talmud hotline or give us a voicemail, because I am very open to wisdom from outside sources. Yes, she is. She is. (laughs) I'm a wisdom slut. So all you philosophy queers out there, feel free to write in. Share your ideas, share your thoughts. We're just like you. We're on the whole life journey, trying to make sense of the tensions and contradictions that manifest before our eyes and navigating them with grace. Okay. Shavuotov, listeners. Shavuotov. Bye.